Support for this podcast and the following message come from Georgetown School of Continuing Studies, offering online degrees designed to fit your schedule. All hours, all Georgetown. Learn more at scs.georgetown.edu. Scandal is over. After seven seasons, countless makeout sessions, a disturbing number of murders, and many solid arguments that Vice President is a terrible job, it's all over. Created by Shonda Rhimes, Scandal began in 2012 as sort of a procedural about Olivia Pope, a powerful Washington fixer who made problems go away. It's handled. But it quickly became the wildest, weirdest, and fastest-moving nighttime soap ever made about politics. And Thursday night, it all came to an end. We're wrapping up the end of an era on this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Georgetown School of Continuing Studies, offering online degrees designed to fit your schedule. All hours, all Georgetown. Learn more at scs.georgetown.edu. Welcome back. We thought that in order to properly pay tribute to the end of Scandal, we'd bring together a panel of Scandal watchers. So with me in the studio is All Things Considered host Audie Cornish. Hi, Audie. Hello there. Also here is Sydney Madden of NPR Music. Great to have you back, Sydney. Thanks for having me. And of course, from the great state of Florida, NPR's TV critic Eric Deggins, who recently wrote about Scandal's legacy for NPR.org. Hi, Eric. Hey, what's up? We are so happy to have all of you here. We have all seen now the end of Scandal. And before we get started, let's just say the finale has happened. Seven seasons have happened. We're going to talk about all of it. So if you're still waiting to watch the finale, maybe check this out after. Um, but Eric, what did you what did you think of the finale? You're our TV critic. Uh is it okay for me to say that I'm glad it's over? <laughs> Absolutely. Just, I think more than anything, this finale was sort of evidence that it was past time for this show to be done. I mm-hmm. mean, mm-hmm. even given the fact that you have to accept that this is Scandal World and things happen there that would never happen anywhere else, even by the show's own sort of crazy bonkers plotline logic – just too much happened in this episode that was just, it didn't make any sense. It just happened because we want to feel certain ways about certain characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we needed to feel sad, then the attorney general was stupid enough to have, you know, drinks with the villainous vice president Ugh. who would let no one stand in his way. Uh, and, and when we wanted to feel good about the ending, they put a portrait of Olivia in uh, the <laughs> portrait gallery God knows why. I don't I, you know. We, had, just... we were having, we got we to unpack this portrait. Yeah, we uh, had a scandal. debate. Yeah, we were having a debate about this before we started taping because because Sydney and I sort of felt like maybe it meant Olivia later became president. Maybe that was how her portrait ended up in the portrait gallery. But Audie, you did not think so. No, because unlike this show, I actually know something about politics a little bit. <laughs> And I know that does not happen. That's not how you get into the National Portrait Gallery. My theory is that Olivia Pope, who famously in this series has had a long-running affair with the president. At one point, the president divorces the first lady and brings uh, Olivia in as first girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I think that as first girlfriend slash 
chief of staff slash amazing campaign manager. That is how she earned her spot in the National Portrait Gallery. Really, she earned her spot because Shonda Rhimes is like, let's get our lives and put that in there. <laughs> yeah. I want to have a hopeful shot at the end mm-hmm. of a little girl looking up at a portrait. Mm-hmm. The shame of it is we actually do have that right now in Michelle Obama. Yeah. Okay, so little girls actually are looking <laughs> up at a portrait. Uh-huh. Yeah. They didn't need first girlfriend to make that vision happen. Well, and there's nothing wrong with being first girlfriend, but first girlfriend who, who killed a lot of people rigged an election rigged the election and so it's an interesting quibbles, version of quibbles. it quibbles <laughs> yeah yeah their their definition of a white hat is something yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. that is quite unique to Shondaland and the scandal verse yeah, shall we say because they have a long history of setting up Olivia and her team as as white hats which then they kind of wandered away from and they seem to admit that once they all became personnel of the secret spy organization <laughs> known as B613 that they were maybe less white hatty, sort of. Uh, what did you think otherwise, Audie, about the the way they brought this in for a landing? I think the less said about the finale, the better. I think all of its the show's <laughs> worst impulses were combined into one hour, and I think a lot of really great television does not end yeah. in the best finale. Like I don't think that's a good measure of a show. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, at the end of the day, Scandal is like it's not the West Wing, right? right. It's not concerned with like policy legislating voters, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a very claustrophobic Mm -hmm. play Mm -hmm. uh, of players, just a handful of people. And it was mostly interested in the idea of like, how are you spiritually, morally diminished in the pursuit of power? Mm -hmm. And the whole language of the show, the patois of the show was like talking about that, you know, your white hat, your black hat, your gladiator, your, you know, standing in the sun. It just was vague, vague language about being good or evil or morally ambiguous. And I think they held on to that for better or worse till the end. What I used to say about it was I found it sort of bad in many ways, but also incredibly compelling that it didn't really make any sense. And it was really corny sometimes. And sometimes it most of the time it utterly lost control of everything it was trying to do and would fly off the rails regularly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yet I found it a lot of fun to watch. The reason why I sort of in my memory plan to kind of chop off that finale and imagine that it's a fantasy, uh, someone's fantasy. (laughs) It was all a dream. No, no, the the finale (laughs) is a fantasy. Right. Because the whole show seemed to be about the consequences of this endless pursuit of power. Mm -hmm. And the problem with the finale is it's like, but in the end, it's fine and you can go make jelly in Vermont and have sex. Uh, By the way, that means literally go make jelly in Vermont. That's not (laughs) You can go up to Vermont with your your boo. That's not some weird millennial sort of Instagram-y thing that you came up with there. That's not that? Right. No. Inappropriate. This no. is inappropriate. No. Right off in a motorcade. No. Uh, like. uh, Sydney, uh, what did you think of the uh, finale? And what, what is your relationship with Scandal like generally? Uh, my relationship with Scandal is tumultuous, I'll say. It's kind of hot and heavy and then super cold sometimes. Mm-hmm. I just spent whole seasons just skipping it and then just been able to binge on Netflix and yeah. get right like without missing a beat. I remember we talked about that um, before the show. I like a lot of the points that you made, Audie, about how the common thread throughout the show is just the pursuit of power and how self-serving it is. And one thing that always irked me when these huge monologues in the Oval Office or wherever were going on is they always would paint it as if they're doing what's good for the country and for the American people, even though they know 
better than the American people. And they're doing things that obviously American mm-hmm. people would not approve of. Even though I think the finale kind of went out with a whimper, one thing I did like that they tied a nice bow around was the fact that they admitted that they were self-serving. Olivia was like, no, we actually do need to blow up B613. We need mm-hmm. to hope that the next generation does better than we do. Like, this is the only way to make it right. Of course, Papa Pope, Rowan, he comes in and saves the day in, like, the most maniacal way in the end. But whatever. I like <laughs> that in the very end, Olivia was really trying to do something right, even if it didn't turn out that way, even if mm-hmm. she did get what she wanted. <laughs> she, yeah. The fact that she was willing to actually go to jail for her sins, that's as fair. she says, that was the one noble thing. Yeah, that's true. Audie, as somebody who's uh, covered Washington for a while, I bet you've seen that a few times in real life, though. Don't people do that? You know, don't they don't they convince themselves? It is a it is a uh, feature, not a bug of working mm-hmm. in Washington and wanting to be in the White House. I think even the best administrations that people look back on fondly, like have that element in there. And I was thinking about how Washington based shows how they the perspective has changed on them in the Trump administration, right? Like how when Mm. Trump came to power, people were like, Veep, it's practically a documentary, you know? (laughs) Or like House of Cards, it's not silly enough. Like all of a sudden these shows, there was sort of a different lens we had on them. And with Scandal, the only thing I think they kind of got right is the idea that, like, you can walk away from that pursuit diminished. Yeah. And if you just mm-hmm. look at the last couple of months, there's been a lot of people who left this White House and they're not better for it. You yeah. Know, let us put that like the public view of them has changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Um, I'm not saying any of these people murdered anyone. No. <laughs> I'm not saying any one of them had affairs or no. sex in the Oval Office. No. I just want to make that clear. No. Speaking <laughs> of the uh, speaking of the Oval Office and having affairs, one thing that I do want to address is that the show was very invested always in Olivia and her relationship with Fitz, who uh, used to be the president. Yes. That's oh me my sleeping. god. <laughs> Seriously. So is everyone a Fitz hater? Yeah. Who yeah. cares about Fitz? <laughs> Why is there still Fitz? Fitz is not you the president. You can't take any anymore. man seriously named Fitz. Go See, I, away, I have this theory. Fitz. I have this theory about Shonda Rhimes shows. Really, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of a theory too, is that she always finds like a boring white person to kind of put in the middle of the story. <laughs> and, an and when I saw, you know, like Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Who is it on Grey's? Private practice. Well, for, a, for for me, for a while, it was uh, it was Grey. Oh my yeah, that's gosh. what I'm saying. That's what I this said. This is said sacrilege it. to me. But continue. <laughs> I know. I'm I know. Intrigued. I know. See, if I were to name two things that kind of ruined Scandal for me. It's constantly going back to Fitz and it's B613. Those two oh, things. B613. Um, yeah. just, Swallowed this program you know, whole. Yeah. yeah. I went back to the beginning and watched some of the very first ones and it was so different. It was It part, was a procedural. It really was a yeah. procedural. It was, I mean, it had, it always had arcs, right? It was always a little bit longer than like one case at a time. But it really was about Olivia running this office where they went around in D.C. and they solved problems for people. I sort of miss the show that that would have been if that show had run for longer because they pretty quickly turned it over to the crazier side of having people killed. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is what Mm -hmm. happened with the X-Files? 
that was the yeah, kind of. comparison I, mean, I had in my mind that yeah. it starts out one thing and after a while the the B plot becomes everything. Well, there are a lot of shows that balance like a story of the week and the un- underlying mythology, right? And definitely X-Files is one of the ones that that's been applied to. Also Buffy is one. Um but at the beginning there was at least a balance. By the last several seasons they barely had yeah, clients. They do like cases. I don't know. <laughs> they had the clients. Quinn took over. Yeah. I guess it was Pope and Associates. Mm-hmm. By the time she took it over, there was like nothing to, for her to do. Well, that's a, that's the thing. It's like, did they still have clients? Did she still do yeah. this job? What was her job? What was her company's job? Because I think Eric is exactly right that once B613, which is this sort of like shadow spy, monstrous, very similar to the, the other organization on Alias that was kind of mm-hmm. the same way had one. Mm-hmm. By that Alias. point, once that kind of swallows the whole show, I didn't care. What's interesting to me to hear you guys talk about how they balanced procedural with overarching mythology. Like for so long on television, when you look at the more traditional network, CBS, it's still like that. That's exactly the old school formula of television Mm -hmm. is, you know, you have a a few storylines that kind of arc over and particularly sort of personal things. But, you know, it's a a case of the week, you Mm -hmm. know, NCIS and all of its progenitors and you know criminal minds and SWAT and all of those shows are are like that and it's just interesting that we're now in this TV moment where thanks to streaming and thanks to some cable channels so much of what they do is not that anymore one of the things I tried to talk about in my scandal piece was how sort of television changed around scandal and kind of made it seem obsolete and I think that's one of the things that kind of changed around scandal that made it seem even hokier and crazier and kind of, you know, less attractive than it used to be because, you know, we we shifted from enjoying melodrama to wanting more authentic stuff in drama. And we also shifted from, you know, the way this, this show used to tell stories to something more complex and deeper. Mm-hmm. Eric, I, I want to challenge that. Here's why you're wrong, I think, because <laughs> <laughs> Scandal okay. burned through plot like crazy. And it was the opposite tact of prestige television, which I think has become ponderous to the point of parody like it basically was like we're going to throw all the things at you all at once Mm -hmm. we're going to be so high energy you're not going to know what hit you we are going to tweet the hell out of the thing so that it's interactive (laughs) Mm -hmm. they brought an energy to television i think that was really engaging at first and i think the thing that hurt it in its in the end on is actually that it was claustrophobic one thing you lose when you lose the procedural is the infusion of new characters and faces and blood. And Grey's Anatomy gives you that every season with all the new interns. How to Get Away with Murder plays around with that idea by turning that claustrophobia into paranoia and terror. And it's its own little haunted house, right? But Scandal, like, it, it just looked weird to have basically five people uh-huh. murdering, having uh-huh. sex, and well, simultaneously running the country. Yeah, <laughs> like, it didn't make sense. Yeah, and I think that's especially true. The people were made to do such extraordinarily bad things that when you only had those people to work with, there came a point where you could look around and say, well, aside from David Rosen, yeah. they've all killed people. They're David Rosen, who eventually became attorney general, they've all killed people. So now you're working with a bunch of people who have killed people. And this who is, never wear gloves, by the way. I'm just going to put true. that out there. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> And have and have tortured people and done all these weird things. Mm -hmm. And Huck, for example, who remained a main character to the end, had shot a bus full of people on somebody else's orders and under threat and all that stuff. But like eventually, if you're only working with this tiny group of people as your central figures, 
and they're all monstrous, you yes. kind of run out of stakes because it's sort of like all I wanted at the end was for them all to go to prison mm-hmm. forever. Like that. <laughs> Which is that the ending to Seinfeld, actually? <laughs> I thought about that during the finale. I was like, I want Scandal to have the ending Seinfeld yeah. has. In an where obscure Massachusetts prison. <laughs> uh, all right. And speaking of horrible people, I want to ask all of you. I'm going to go to Sydney first. Yeah. I'm going to go to Sydney first. Are there any non-terrible people on this show? I will posit David Rosen, played by Joshua Molina, not a terrible person, probably. Maybe least terrible? Is there a most terrible? David Rosen, I would agree with you. David Rosen is least terrible, but in the end, he died. So what does that have to tell us? Uh Um, I think Huck, who you mentioned earlier, is a little bit after David Rosen on least terrible scale because he was actually, he was a very kind-hearted guy who all he wanted to do was be with his family he was just a pawn he just got caught up in b613 land and he didn't know how damaged to damaged person yep. oh my god and he you didn't guys know have watched on this propaganda assassin had a heart of gold he just wanted to be with his family <laughs> um most terrible most terrible is the harder question i don't know i i grapple with this a lot is it melly is it fitz is it rowan is it olivia i think it's olivia because olivia is the one who continuously convinces herself that what she's doing is for the greater good, that she wears a white hat, that she stands in the sun, that she's always trying to get back there. There is no white hat. There There is no sun. They're all living in the shade. They're all shady. Yeah, that's true. She nailed it. That's true. She did nail it. (laughs) I think that's an odd question to ask with Scandal because Scandal is always operated on its own rules. And I think we are discovering that when we try to talk about the logic of the show. The worst person changes depending on the story that Shonda wants to tell Mm -hmm. and the way the show wants you to feel at any given moment and how they want that storyline to play out. So there were times when Rowan was the worst person in that universe. There were times when Olivia was the worst person in that universe. And the thing that's weird about the show is that it will change that and never explain it. And you just gotta mm-hmm. you just gotta roll with it and sort of accept that, you know, here's the story that we're telling now because this is where the show wants you to be. I felt like I was sometimes like I was watching Twin Peaks. You know, <laughs> you can't really apply logic to some of the yeah. things that they're doing because it's all about the story of the moment and what how they want you to feel at any given point in the show. Yeah, and I think um, you know, my line about scandal has always been anything happens and nothing matters. And that's sort of what I eventually got tired of also, but the advantage of it is, and this sort of goes back to what Audie was talking about, the structure of television, is that you at any time could quit Scandal and come back and all you had to watch was like maybe the last three episodes and you would basically know, you'd Mm -hmm. basically be caught up Mm -hmm. because kind of nothing changed and as long as you got, like are Fitz and Olivia sleeping together right now? Who's allies with who right now? And what problem are they trying to solve right now? Audie, what do you think about all this? I think that I would challenge you to find a movie about any one of these characters, even though that movie should exist. So even though in real life there are gay Republicans Mm -hmm. and women campaign managers and, you know what I mean, black and brown, like, senator, like, even though these things all exist, Hollywood is not interested in making any stories around them, even though they could be just as venal and interesting and as crazy as anything else they would put out there. And Shonda Rhimes did it. Mm -hmm. You know, she gave it to you. She was like, she didn't 
she walked the walk when people talk about diversity. There's lots of shows, and I'll just go out there and say House of Cards is one of them, where they will say, well, everyone's bad in our show. Mm-hmm. And But you really look at it narratively, and you're like, no, this is garbage. It's, not tre- it's treating some people as tokens. It's not treating women very well in terms of, like, actual the words that come out of their mouth. And I think that any one character on Scandal could have been a movie. You know, about a Latino assassin with a heart of gold yeah. and no background, you know, about or the a Cyrus first Latino Fee. president. First Latino president <laughs> yeah. or Melly Grant, right? Like, when am I going to get a story about this? Like, right. we've seen it with The Good Wife, but like, that's a character I could ex- explore a thousand times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's the thing I'm always going to have like a soft spot for, even as I don't think I'm going to do a lot of repeat viewing mm-hmm. <laughs> Scandal, <laughs> frankly. And the thing that's really weird about right. it is I find myself sitting here saying all these crazy things about Scandal, but I really enjoy it. When right. I Exactly. It's incredibly compelling. I also think the other thing I want to touch on before we go is like, I also think they had a spectacular cast. I think this cast is so well suited to these characters, particularly Jeff Perry, who played Cyrus, I think is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Joe Morton. Joe Morton. It's the only reason that character, let's be honest, I feel like B613 might not have happened if they didn't just want to keep having Joe Morton on screen. And Kerry Washington is just right as the sort of, like we were talking about the quivering lip and that kind (laughs) of stuff. And if you watch the very first episode, you can see the progression to how she gets more steely as the show mm-hmm. goes on yeah. more convincingly steely and sinister and like owning it and, and yeah. I mean I'm sorry people talk about this but like amazing clothes oh, like it's gosh, a great looking show it's an incredibly stylish don't apologize for that <laughs> Linda Holmes what are you this is a safe no. space <laughs> this is a I mean, safe the, space the coats alone yes the coats oh, oh, and, the, and the apartment opulent home decor goals on next level for me. I remember when she got kidnapped or I guess falsely kidnapped when the wine spilled on her couch. I felt bad for the couch. (laughs) I was so like the drapes, the longing looks. I felt bad for the wine. (laughs) I was like, I know Olivia and that is expensive wine. The double. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wine is so fundamental to this show. Oh yeah. The wine, wine, popcorn. Wine and popcorn. And what else does she eat? Gettysburger. Right. But not really. (laughs) Like she gets it for other people. Yeah. I ordered red wine delivered to my apartment just so I would have it to watch the finale. Yeah. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of our show and and the end of Scandal. Please follow our guests, Audie Cornish at NPR Audie, Sydney Madden at SID underscore Madden, and of course, Eric Deggins at Deggins. Thank you so much, you guys, for coming in here and talking about this wackadoodle show. (laughs) Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back here on Friday. And if you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks to find the show. We will see you all back here Friday. Yes. Everyone uh, should say who, if they were a Scandal character, oh, who they'd be. I hope oh. be David Rosen, except I would <laughs> oh. live. Uh, and I would not be dumb enough to go meet Cyrus by myself. <laughs> right, and have a drink with And him. have a drink and drink Even with Even co-eds know not to drink David <laughs> yeah. Rosen. My name is Audie Cornish, and if I was a scandal character, I would definitely be Olivia Pope because I like to wear three-quarter length jackets. Yeah. I also like arm length gloves. And also, if I can really get a good moment going, I can do that stomp walk. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's wasted on NPR, (laughs) let me just say. It's true. (laughs) 
I would be Olivia as well, just because of the wardrobe choices and the stomp and the quivering lip and all that power that Quiver comes lip. with it. But I would also love to be Jake, just because he's a stone cold killer and he's in love with Olivia he shamelessly. Is a killer and, with a heart. Yeah, and he has probably some of the best monologues on the show, some of the sexiest monologues. I'm Eric Deggins, and if I was a scandal character, I would be Papa Pope Aww. because I am a man, and you are a boy. <laughs> Boy, (laughs) you are a black man who lectures. (laughs) Get it, Eric Deggins. (laughs) Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, host of NPR's Embedded. And coming soon, we have a new episode about Scott Pruitt, the head of the EPA. It's a story about Pruitt's life in the Southern Baptist Church, how he handled a major pollution case, and why he sued the EPA 14 times. Just search for Embedded on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts.